today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God did not create us for time. He created us for eternity because God put eternity in our hearts. And that's the only way anything and everything in time will be set right. I suppose you could say that it will be set right and beautiful and meaningful in its time because of eternity. Vis-a-vis eternity, the eternity that God has place in our hearts. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. Did you know that the Lord has placed eternity in the hearts of His people? As you listen to today's message from Pastor J.D., he teaches you that God has made mankind to seek after what's eternal. Even if one doesn't know God, they have a desire for everlasting. God has made you to seek and to know Him forever. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We are in the book of Ecclesiastes, and so chapter 3, been really looking forward to what the Lord has for us. This is a very well-known chapter and passage of Scripture, and it is related to everything having to do with there being a time and a season for everything. And as we're going to see here shortly, Solomon is going to make this profound connection between time in the realm of the finite and eternity in the realm of the infinite. And I really want to point this out because in so doing, he comes to this conclusion that God has made everything beautiful and meaningful, and He has set everything right. And that's actually when we get to that verse, what that word carries with the idea of. It's not just that He makes everything beautiful in His time, He makes everything right. He sets it right. And he does so because he's not created us for time. He's created us for eternity. But here's this this struggle because we live in time, but we live for eternity. And this is the struggle and the conflict that Solomon is having. Because remember now, he has set out to find purpose and meaning in life, and I'll add death as well. We'll see a little bit of that tonight. And he's set out to do this apart from God. How's that working out for you, Solomon? Not too well. We'll find out in chapter 12. We have to go through like nine more chapters of this. And it's kind of like, Solomon, couldn't you just (laughs) have spared yourself and us of this journey, this futile, vain, empty, dissatisfying journey, to come to that conclusion 
that apart from God, life has no meaning. Life has no purpose. Because see, he's living under the sun, S-U-N, and not the sun, S-O-N. And that's the problem. But even tonight in chapter 3, we're going to see him sort of (laughs) go back and forth between this vain pursuit of life's meaning and purpose without God, and then he's going to kind of go back and forth and bring God into the equation. Well, wait a minute, Solomon, you're not supposed to do that. You already told us that you set your heart to do this apart from God. Life under the sun. Life in time, not in light of eternity. And now it's almost like he has to acquiesce (laughs) and he has to give in to the reality that absent God, factoring God into this equation we call life, (laughs) there's no hope. And this is going to come out, as we'll see here shortly. But it's for this reason that Solomon says that God has set, placed, put eternity in the heart of man. And this one powerful truth is going to be germane to our understanding of what God has for us tonight in this chapter. And I will even take it a little bit further and say, this is the reason we even have a chapter like this in our Bibles. I know the song is going to, you probably are already singing it in your mind. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal. Not murder, by the way. I probably should delineate between the word kill and the word murder. In the Ten Commandments, it's not not thou shalt not kill, it is thou shalt not murder. Murder being a premeditated act of taking somebody's life. Kill can be in defense, self-defense, certainly in battle, in warfare. So he's not speaking about murder, he's talking about killing. Big difference, by the way. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. Do you feel like you're at a memorial service? I do. Is this not the passage that you'll oftentimes hear at a, at a funeral? Verse 5. That was really a downer, wasn't it? Just It gets better. Just hang in there. <laughs> Verse 5. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. This was actually something they did in that day. They would throw stones into the fields of their enemies to make harvesting the crops impossible. So that's what this is referring to. How's that? A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, especially when you are ordered to practice social distancing. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not in there. Let me back up. Verse 6. A time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep 
and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence. My wife always reminds me of this verse. And then my response is the rest of the verse. And a time to speak. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. Verse 8, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. Now, you'll forgive me for (laughs) raining on your parade or bursting your bubble or whatever metaphor you want to use, but as poetic and melodic as this may seem to be, that is absolutely not what Solomon is saying here. He's not waxing poetic. He, he's not writing a song, although we've put this to song, and it, and it just sounds so, ah. You know what he's saying here? Life is meaningless. Life is mundane. Life is boring. It's so repetitive. I mean, it's so cyclical. It's so daily. As one said, the problem with life is that it is so daily. I mean, it's the same thing over and over and over again. And it's unfair. It's just not right. It's messed up, if I can say it like that. Because when you laugh, it's offset by mourning. And you can go back through all of this. I won't. I'll spare you. But every single one of these, notice the conflicting paradoxical contrast. It's like the one wipes out the other. It negates the other. So you got the good and you got the bad. And so you rejoice in the good, but enjoy it while it lasts. Because right around the corner is this. What's up with that? That's messed up. And that's what he's saying. Keep in mind, he's (laughs) trying to find meaning in life without the one who is life, who gives life. And we know that because of what he says in verses 9 and 10. Listen, what profit, what's the point? What profit has the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the God-given task with which the sons of men are to be occupied. In other words, is this all there is? You laugh, you mourn, you weep, you cry, you dance, you don't, you kill, you heal, you break down, you build up. I mean, what's the point? I mean, it just seems so monotonous, for lack of a better word. And and again, one of the words that kind of kept coming to mind as I was preparing for tonight's study was this word inexplicable and with it irreconcilable. See what Solomon's struggle is, and truth being known, this is our struggle as well. It's trying to reconcile that which is irreconcilable without God. Let me say it this way, and I've been thinking a lot about this as of late with our current (laughs) situation (laughs) in the world today. Without God, nothing makes sense, and with God, it starts to make sense. 
Let me say the same thing in a different way. So if I look at the world today and I'm putting God aside, I'm not looking at the situation in the world through the lens of my God. He's not, he's not in the picture, if you will. I look at this and I just think, really? This makes absolutely no sense. This is terrible. This is inexcusable. This is irreconcilable. And we're going to see Solomon talk about this. And I mean, the struggle, the conflict, it's real, it's raw. Well, let's move on. Verse 11. <laughs> this is where, <laughs> and, I, and I, I, I see Solomon going here, kicking, fighting, screaming, and scratching against his will. He doesn't want to. Because remember, he set out, set his heart to pursue the meaning of life without God. And try as he may, he has to talk about God. He has to bring God back into the picture. And that's what he does here. It's almost like he's going to go insane unless he does. And it's evidenced by verse 11. He says, he, speaking of God, has made everything beautiful in its time. Again, this word beautiful in the original carries with it the idea of right, meaningful, reconcilable, understandable. He's going to set it right in his time. See, the problem is you've got time and eternity, and never shall the twain meet, as it were. And therein lies the conflict, the struggle, the problem. So in order for Solomon, again, to sort of maintain his sanity, <laughs> he has to sort of, you'll forgive the, the word, but for lack of a better one, he has to flirt with the notion of God being factored back into his dilemma, into his situation. So in order for this to make any sense at all, in order for this to be at set right, because this is not right, it's going to have to be God who's going to have to make it right. And he'll do so in his time. Now watch this. This is so interesting. And I've been praying about this all day in preparation. This, what he says here, listen, also he has put eternity in their hearts. Stop right there. Notice again the, the paradox. Time, eternity. How, how are we going to set this right? Because this ain't right. You'll forgive my English. I know that's not proper English, but it just sounds better. It ain't right. It just sounds a lot better than this is not right. Anyway, it just sounds better to me. It ain't right, man. It's all messed up. There, I feel better. You know why it's all messed up? You know why it's not right? It ain't right. Because God has put, placed, set eternity in your heart. In other words, <laughs> you, you can try all you want to make sense in time, out of time, but you'll never do it because here's eternity going, hello, hello, I'm here. What are you doing here? Well, God put me here. 
God put eternity. This is why it is, by the way, that even those who don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they know in their heart that something's not right. There's got to be more to life than this. You know why? Because God put eternity in their heart. <laughs> I mean, talk about messing people up. I mean, they're, they're living for time. God did not create us for time. He created us for eternity because God put eternity in our hearts. And that's the only way anything and everything in time will be set right. I suppose you could say that it will be set right and beautiful and meaningful in its time because of eternity, vis-a-vis eternity, the eternity that God has placed in our hearts. But then he goes on, and this is interesting. He says, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to end. What does that mean? So here you've got eternity and time. And we're not in eternity, not yet. We're still stuck in time. Now here's God. He lives outside of time. He created time. He's not subject to time. So here's this this eternal longing. And not only has God put eternity in our hearts, He's also left a blank line. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So He's put eternity there, but we still can't quite grasp it or know it. We, We cannot know or discover, or find out this eternal God and what He does from beginning to end. And that's by design. In other words, it's God's way of saying, I'm infinite, you're finite. And even if I wanted to, I could not reveal to you in its fullness that which awaits you in the infinite, because you are finite. This is why it is that we have all these why questions, you know, and we even go as far as saying, which I question whether or not we're, we're actually going to ever say that. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God why. I don't think you're going to be doing that. I think for the first trillion years, of course we have the millennium, but I think it's just going to be, wow, worthy is the lamb that was slain with that question. Never mind. Because, see, now I'm in eternity. Now I'm infinite as He is infinite, because I will be like Him when He appears. So, you know, as as little children, they'll they'll come to you with these, these little children questions. You've heard them all and done your best, bless your heart, to answer them all, like, why is the sky blue? Well, because, you know, God likes blue. Why does God like blue? Well, because it's his favorite color. Why is blue his favorite color? And I mean, you know, about 25 questions deep, you're going, ay, 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 stop asking me why. I I can't, even if I (laughs) knew the answer, you're not going to, because every why question I try to answer is going to create three more. It's like, it's got, it's like God saying, oh, I would love nothing more 
than to explain to you and answer every question for you. But even if I tried, how is it possible that finite is going to contain and fathom and comprehend infinite? It'd It'd be like pouring the entire volume of the world's oceans into a thimble. It won't happen. You can't contain it. You can't receive it. You cannot comprehend it. You're just going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait until in eternity. And then you're going to go, oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, now I see. Now I see. Verse 12. He got kind of, again, goes back now. He's back and forth. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives, and also that every man should just eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. I'm so thankful that he included those last six words at the end of the verse. Because before he includes those six words at the end of the verse, he's basically saying this, hey, this is as good as it gets. Might as well just ink eat ink. That's a new one. That's a, it's, it's eating and drinking at the same time. New word, ink. <laughs> I'm going to eat. That's eating and anyways, again, it was a rough week. So I'm going to just eat and drink and you know, this is as good as it gets. This is, as, this is all there is. But then he has to, it's like he's again forced to acknowledge that even that is a gift of God. He's forced to put God back in the picture that he's trying to paint, the picture of the purpose of life. Verse 14, I know (laughs) that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. Do you see what's going on here? (laughs) Again, he's it's almost unwillingly he has to acquiesce to the truth, the reality of the goodness of God. That God, no matter what, I can try to factor him out of my life. I can try to find the meaning of life without him. But at the end of the day, in the final analysis, I keep coming back to him because he will always have the final word in the end. God rules over all and overrules all. It's kind of like this. I can try to move God out of the way, but God is ever-present, and He will manifest Himself regardless of my trying to remove Him from my life. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes, both challenging us to seek the lasting things and encouraging us to look at how we spend our days. Throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, we get a peek into the mind of its writer and how he lived. We see how he tried everything the world had to offer, and it still left him feeling empty. In fact, he writes that all he sought was in vain. Can you relate? Do you find yourself seeking the things of the world? Are you putting your hope in the meaninglessness and empty things of the world? 
If so, be encouraged. You don't have to spend your days wondering where your help comes from. Scripture tells us it comes from the Lord. So seek Him and He will fill you afresh. We hope today's message has been encouraging to you in your walk with Jesus. If you're wrestling in your walk, though, we'd love to pray for you. Just visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Contact under the About tab. We'd love to hear from you, and we're available to answer any questions you may have. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join us for our worship services. Feel free to invite your family and friends, too. And be sure to let us know that you're a listener of In Spirit and Truth when you visit. Find out more about Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for being part of our study here today. We hope you'll tune in next time to learn more from the book of Ecclesiastes with Pastor J.D. Right here on In Spirit and Truth.